Do you know what? Even in these COVID times, I've managed to find the chance to have just the briefest of holidays. It has been blissful. I'm Paul, and this is the newly refreshed Mastering Portrait Photography podcast. Hey, one and all, I hope you are well wherever in the world you are, whatever the current pandemic statistics are for your region. I hope you're on the right side of it. Uh, For us, well, I've actually managed to find a little bit of time and space for us as a family to get away. We went away with some really good friends of ours and uh, we went camping. Uh, so as, as as you'd expect, camping in the UK is a mixed bag of various weathers. We had most of them except frost and snow. Everything else uh, we definitely had. But it's been absolutely blissful. It, it has been exactly what I needed. I needed to spend a week not worrying or not thinking about work, photography, creativity, marketing, all the things that run through my head pretty much every day of the week. We took our kids, we met up with some friends who I've worked with and known ever since university. Lots of social distancing, of course, lots of safety, uh, face masks where appropriate, but also lots and lots and lots of laughter. And I needed that. I needed to spend a week just killing myself laughing with some people who I really like being with, primarily, of course, my own family, Sarah Harriet and Jake, who are the best company in the world, uh, but also... Uh, with a friend of ours and all of their kids. It has just been heaven. But I'm back. I'm back. Mastering Portrait Photography. Uh, We are here. We're firing on all cylinders. Lots and lots of news uh, coming up, but not in this podcast. Uh, I will tell you all of the changes that are coming, and there's a ton of it. Uh, Talking to magazines, the website, Time to Reinvigorate. Uh, Lots more stuff coming your way. But this particular podcast is an interview I did about three weeks ago with, I guess, someone who's become a bit of a friend of ours these days, uh, Andy at Kaleidoscope. So Andy is the production manager at Kaleidoscope. And he's not only an incredibly lovely guy, but he knows framing like no other. So I had the opportunity to talk to him and ask questions about what's coming through, what he's seeing, the importance of displaying your images in frames, how to form a good relationship with your suppliers. Uh, And during the course of that, he also reminded me, or gave me a much needed kick, that it's high time we refreshed the frames on the walls down here at the studio. And it really is a good time for us to do that, primarily because, uh, of course, we've got one of the rooms not being used so much at the moment through uh, because of the COVID situation. And so now maybe it is a good opportunity to think about that, redecorate and put some new samples up on the walls. As always with our podcast with different uh, interviewees, I asked him to recommend a book and the book he recommended is a book that was photographed in 1987. It's called One Day for Life and it's uh, it's full, it's absolutely chock full of photographs all taken on the same day by a multitude of different people. You can hear the interview uh, as to why he picked that. Uh, I have searched for it. It is available on Amazon and I will post a link to that uh, in the footnotes to this particular podcast. Anyway, I hope you're really, really well. Please, I do hope you enjoy this podcast. Of course, as is always the case, I started by asking him who he is 
and what is his role in the company that we rely on quite so much. My name's Andy. I'm the general manager of Kaleidoscope Framing. Um, so I oversee production and uh, a customer service and, and planning for the future for the business. So, uh, yeah. And how did you get into it? Sort of by accident in a way. Um, I, I, I left college and trained as a baker um, and ended up working in, uh, in a chain supermarket. Uh, where I ended up on a like a management training scheme, but uh, my wife and I bought a house, our first house, and uh, I decided that uh, working all those ridiculous hours and never seeing each other wasn't what we'd intended to do when we bought a house. Um, so uh, I was a keen amateur photographer and had used Kaleidoscope for framing some work to put up for sale at some local restaurants and art fairs and things and uh, saw a job opening and applied for it and, and it sort of went on from there really. So it wasn't necessarily a, I didn't apply to Kaleidoscope thinking this is where I'd be in 16 years time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's sort of, well, the best thing I did in terms of where I am now and I love the industry and love working in, uh, in what we're doing. So yeah, it's, that's, that's how I ended up there really is working in production and then uh, moving on and we're a small family team so it just kind of built up from there really so and your wife's a teacher right uh, she's a forest school leader so she right. she teaches uh, yeah teaches um, from reception to year six and right. primary schools um, out in the forest so yeah quite outdoorsy that's really cool and given the beard that I'm looking at on our zoom call at the moment <laughs> you look like a man of the forest yeah, I, I think it's looked the part, not, not necessarily as the part. Right. Are, you, are you an outdoor guy as well? Is it just her? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we like being outdoors. Um, we, uh, we've got two dogs. We, we've got um, our veg area in the garden and some chickens. And I'm involved in the local scout group. So we, we do a lot of outdoorsy things. And my wife's very much of the opinion that there is no weather that means you can't go outdoors. So, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, you head out whatever the weather and... Uh, and uh, just suck it up and get on with it. Do you still bake? Um, not so much. Um, got into doing a bit more baking over lockdown, um, baking a bit more bread um, at home, which uh, which is a nice change to what I used to do. But uh, I think that's more about having the time. And uh, rather than rushing around at 100 miles an hour, I think that's the biggest thing is, is – uh, it's made everyone stop and think a bit, I think, with everything that's gone on recently. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I probably so far removed from baking from all that time ago now. Um, I do a little bit here and there, but my, my wife's the baker. She bakes all the cakes in the house and the sweet treats and uh, keeps me, <laughs> <laughs> keeps me rounded, shall we say. <laughs> so what did she train in? How did you meet? Uh, she um, she was in uh, basically early years education. So she worked in a nursery originally and then moved on from nursery into becoming a teaching assistant. Has always had a passion for outdoors and, and creative learning and opportunity arose in, in forest school leadership. So she became a forest school leader. Um, oh, I don't know how long ago now. Probably, probably a good eight years, maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, maybe even longer. And uh, fortunately ended up in a very good role in the school she's in now where, where she can teach for a school, you know, five days a week, which is brilliant. There's not that much opportunity across the country to do it. So, uh, Is there a lot of forest yeah. around you in Shrewsbury? Is it Shrewsbury, uh, school- or, is it Shrewsbury <laughs> or Shrewsbury? 
Uh, I would say Shrewsbury. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> everyone's got their own opinion on how they. But we, we we're fortunate. We live in a little village just outside of Shrewsbury, um, right next to a hill in a big forest. So we we spend a lot of time there. Um, but the wife's school, she's she's got um, it's a couple of acres of land attached to the school that is forest. So they've got a lovely area to take the children and to play in and, and do creative learning. So uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about Kaleidoscope. <clears throat> okay kaleidoscope so um we're about 22 years old as a company um we specialize in bespoke framing mainly for the photographic industry um that's that's the large percentage of what we do we are a small team of around 15 in total so uh, we're not a large company by any means um but basically around 2004, we got involved in the in the photographic side of the business. Um, back then, it would have been uh, focused on imaging at the MEC, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so I think the first year I joined, um, they'd just done their first show that year. Um, and the business grew quite rapidly. Um, and so uh, we, we grew in terms of the size of a team. And then over the next few years, yeah, just everything changed really. Went from being very much... <clears throat> contract framing with with a with a bit of photographic work to more photographic and less contract so we, we still do contract framing but it's a smaller side of the business now right. um and then just kind of built our reputation up um well as you know really with good quality products and great customer service we're fortunate with the lauras the, the couple of lauras we've got that do all the phone <laughs> yeah. calls it well. appears to work at your company you have to be called laura yes there was a joke when the last one left that i've got to change my name yeah but uh we haven't gone down that route just yet so uh and so what what do you think has been the biggest change in those 22 years the biggest change um probably the biggest change i've seen is um probably the change from from film to digital photography um certainly when i started in the company a lot of customers would post their, their printed images to us from labs or the vast majority would buy the products to put together themselves. Yeah. Um, a lot of studios, particularly large studios, would have a production team and they'd buy the products and they'd assemble them themselves. Um, so the biggest change for us is we've gone from that being kind of the main workload to now we print, we assemble, everything gets done, even to the point of sending it direct to your customer. Um, that's probably been the biggest change is, you know, there's, got a number of studios and customers on the books who we we do the work for and they never actually see the finished product product um so that that's that's a really big change um other things probably when i started we used to do a lot of uh, laminated prints and this is sort of brown and gold frames kind of medium-sized frames um yeah a lot of those uh yeah, i can remember using the uh, vacuum press heat seal um day after day non-stop um and sort of as things more things are introduced things like fillet mounts and the different types of mount combinations you can use you know glazed products became the more popular product um and still are to this day you know that's that's kind of where it's gone um and of course the flexibility there of having a mounted product is is just the sheer volume of choice you've got in terms of what you can offer um so that's kind of been the, the biggest change for us going from quite a restrictive amount of options to go in well what can we do with these different layers and what can we offer and how can we make it look different for the photographers to sell to their customers um so again because glazing glazed products became the more popular thing i think the other thing is that uh, 
new types of glass, you know, the amount of glass that we can offer as well now, that, that changed um, particularly over the last decade, really. Um, these anti-reflective glasses and, you know, the ones that almost look like they're not there. Yeah. Um, How much of your stuff goes out with the sort of museum-grade anti-reflectives? Um, not, not, not a huge percentage. I mean, the majority of our customers go for the, the standard flake glass that's used in the industry. Um, mainly, I think, it's because it's price-driven. That's yeah. the big thing. Yeah. It, you know, obviously it does cost a lot more. Um, but um, I wouldn't know in terms of percentage. It's improving in popularity yeah. over the last couple of years. You know, we're having to buy more and more of it, and we've yeah. got a few customers who have made the decision that actually they're only selling their products with that glass. Right. So, you know, every order that comes through then is always that glass and, you know, that makes a difference. Um, it is amazing. I mean, I've seen the stuff. I just, we don't use <clears> it yet. I think for the past two years, me and you've had a conversation about putting a sample into the studio and inertia. <laughs> there's no other, there's no <laughs> other word for it. Just inertia. I haven't got around to doing it. And I keep meaning to, I to get it sorted. So uh, I need to get yeah, it sorted. I mean, Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, I need to get it sorted because the stuff is beautiful. Well, I mean, a lot, what a lot of customers do is they have, we, we do the split glass, so you put the standard glass on one side of the product and the anti-reflective on the other, so you get an example of how it looks with, with the same product behind, um, which works really, really well. It does give you that impact. Um, I think the main thing that, that people don't always get is that it's anti-reflective, it's not non-reflective, so you can still get reflection, it's just that they're minimised so much that on the right circumstances, it, it's almost like there's nothing there, but it's yeah. very clever stuff. Um, you know, it really does look the part and you can see why it's, it's the cost it is really with the, with how it's made. So, um, I mean, going just, I'm just trying to think of anything else. I mean, the other big change I think we've noticed more recently in the last kind of four or five years is the size of the products being bought. Right. Um, so products being purchased these days tend to be larger than they used to be. Okay. We tend to do 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 larger products and smaller products, um, which is great. You know, that's, that's what we want to be doing. So um, it's uh, and also kind of the minimalistic look. We've noticed a kind of resurgence of aluminium frames going for that very thin, sleek, contemporary profile on a large large product, which you can't achieve with a with a wooden frame. Yeah. Um, so that's that's probably been the biggest thing, really. What do you think's um, driven the size increase? I don't know. I mean, there's the, uh, in terms of customers having things on display, you know, you hear that old saying all the time, but, you know, just display what you want to sell and, and go big when you're displaying. Um, I don't know if that's had an impact or what people value in terms of putting products on the wall, whether it's more important. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, it's not across the board. Don't get me wrong. We've still got customers where, where a more medium-sized product is what they sell. But I think part of that's down to the clientele they're dealing with and, and who, you know, someone's only going to buy a product big enough that they can fit in the yeah. house they're putting it in. So, um, you know, that's going to have an impact there as well. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's curious, isn't it? And, and you see, I mean, you see so many photographers. How many photographers, do you know roughly how many photographers you service as a company? Uh, I think in without, terms without of giving anything reg- commercial away, you don't have to just <laughs> you know, hundreds. No, thousands. I mean, in, in terms of reg- regu- regular orders, you know, we're, we're, we're several hundreds of, of customers. Um, I think in terms of customers that are sort of, they come back and forwards or into the thousands, but it, you know, it really does vary. Um, and, and I think as you probably know, with photographers that, you know, in the industry, it, it comes and goes as well. You know, you've got photographers who, 
the photographer is their business and that's what they're doing and day in day out so you get regular orders and then yeah. you've got photographers that are doing photography but also going off with other projects and disappear for sections of time so orders dip in and dip out and they change all the time so you know obviously it's quite a versatile industry in terms of what people can go off and do they don't have to just be doing portrait photography in the studio yeah. or, or outside they could be off doing event photography or going off doing travel photography or documentary whatever it may be so um you know i think that has an impact on on how orders fluctuate and change as well right. so. and when you look at those photographers that have been with you a long time and they've their throughput continues ad nauseum. What do you think sets those guys apart? What is it about? Is there anything you could put your finger on from what you see that would say, do you know what? I know those guys would be successful. I think it's about um, the cogs in the machine in terms of the business, to be honest with you. Right. Um, you know, I, I think uh, if we looked at probably the most successful studios on our books, I would say the vast majority of them are couples, family run. Um, maybe where they can be really honest and open with each other and, and make things work. Yeah. Um, they're also all the customers that, that order regularly and, and, and have grown and do well. I would say you, you can hear in their voice, you can see in their work, and when you're talking to them, the enthusiasm in terms of what they want to do. Yeah. Um, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you're not going to put your all into it, and therefore you're not going <laughs> to make the big yeah. sales or make the money that you want. So uh, I think if... Uh, you can almost see it happening sometimes with some companies, you know, that, uh, that they've kind of lost the love in terms of the photography and uh, they're just running through the mill in terms of doing what they need to do to, to make the money, but it's not necessarily working. So uh, yeah, you, certainly I'd say the customers that seem more passionate about photography in general and, and that's their way of life. They really, you know, they're really passionate about capturing that emotion, capturing that moment in time for those people. Um, they're, they're the ones that do well. Yeah. So, and have you seen any um, sort of shifts in, I mean, stylistically in the photography, we've talked a little bit about stylistically in the framing. Is there been, I mean, do you get a sense of the way the industry is moving from your viewpoint, standing overlooking this huge warehouse of images coming through? <laughs> it, is uh, a, it is a huge image. It is a huge warehouse of images coming through. Yeah, it's not that big, but yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it seemed um, it to me. Um. Yeah, I mean, certainly over the last few years, there has been a massive, massive increase in pet portraiture. Right. Um, hugely, to the to the point, I would say, where we were having such an increase in pet portraiture that the family portraiture dropped right off at some point. Wow. Um, that, that has changed, and I think maybe with the current situation and people contemplating and what's going on, I hope for the better that's going to make people think more about uh, capturing that moment and, you know... Uh, a crisis is a good catalyst for something positive. I think that's that's going to be something positive out of it. I know certainly talking to friends and family, we all feel the same that you kind of um, feel more strongly about trying to get together and capture that moment with yeah. each other and maybe, you know, portrait photography for a family is, is a good time now moving forward. Um, so, I mean, everything changes all the time and it has done, but pet, pet photography is just, I mean, it's astonishing really the amount of framed pet portraits we've done. Wow. Um, but um, <clears throat> I think sometimes that reflects on the businesses that are using you as well, you know, and, and it yeah. changes. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a pure sample. It's not a random sample. <clears throat> sample. Oh, no, no. And, you know, we, 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 are, we specialize in, in trying to provide the best quality products uh, at the best price we can. So we, 
I think we attract a certain type of client as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, you know, the, we, we have a small percentage of the market in the UK, but it's, it's by no means a, an idea of what's going on nationally. So, yeah. uh, I, d- yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you have an interesting barometer mm. for businesses like mine. So that's why I'm asking. I'm genuinely curious because, of course, yeah. what you see as trends – I mean, I've been with you for what thirteen years now, as we established earlier on. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm a typical business, I suspect, for your business. In which case, the trends that you're seeing are interesting to me. They might not be as interesting to uh, a completely different business to mine—a big multi-camera setup or a one-man band that works at weekends. They may be different things, but for me, in the businesses that I'm familiar with, it's really interesting, and it is a true barometer because you represent me essentially. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. So, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, you know, as I said before, it does it does change and it goes up and down. Um, but um, probably noticed. Uh, well, what we're imagining that we're going to notice is maybe an increase in more kind of lifestyle shoots rather than in studios because yep. of everything going on. Yep. Um, that I think that's inevitable, really. But um, yeah, it's it's um. The, the range of work that we frame always astonishes, astonishes me. I think when I started here, it was all family portraits and that's all we ever did, whereas it's quite diverse now in terms of what gets framed. So, um, you know, we cover everything, which uh, goes to show what people can sell as well if they've got the right business model and the right uh, frame of mind to... Uh, no to pun intended. Up. No pun intended, no. <laughs> <laughs> so after 16 years of working at Kaleidoscope, how do you stay passionate about the framing because you do I mean I've bumped into you or gone to meet you at essentially every trade show that I know you and I are both present and you're yeah. always enthusiastic about the product how do you stay that way um I, how do I stay that way I'm on a personal basis I'm passionate about photography anyway I, I like photography I like seeing photos and looking at other people's photos and, and seeing how people have done things I'm not technical in any way and I'm, I wouldn't quite to be anywhere near good at photography at all. Um, but for my own passion, I, I like it. I'm interested in it. So therefore seeing the customer's work coming through, being able to then use the skills that I've learned here in terms of picking a frame, picking a mount, choosing the right colors and, and elevating that image and trying to just give it that final push to put it on the wall and display it and, and make it that pivotal point for everyone to look at, you know, that that's quite an exciting feeling to be able to do that and to pick those, those items and, and make that choice. Um, I mean, I, I love getting ready for the trade shows in one sense, in one sense, they're very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, in terms of going through and, and picking the images and um, choosing what frame would work with that image and what mount would work with that image. And I think, the other thing is, you know, I mentioned we're a close team here before, but we bounce ideas off each other all the time. So whether it's one of the Laura's or Stephen or even a member of the, of the production team, you know, we, we ask each other all the time and we look at what we're doing and we question what we're doing. So that keeps me passionate because I know that I and us as a team can make change. We, we can move things forward. We can tweak things. We can make things better um, or worse sometimes, you know, depending which way you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it's um, I think the passion's probably there from just the great team I work with. I know that sounds a bit corny, but it's, it's a really good team of people here. And um, 
you know, we're all passionate about trying to do the best that we can for what we do yeah. and, and providing that to the industry. So, you know, when, when you work around people that are passionate like that, you stay like that yourself. So, <laughs> Talking of which, there's a Laura in the background somewhere being passionate on the phone. <laughs> 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 I can hear it ringing and hear someone laughing. I'm assuming it's one of the Laura's. Um, on that note about, you talked, there's two threads I want to pick up on there. The first is about elevation. You talked, you used the word elevating an image when yeah. from from I mean in your your case I guess from a file to a print to a frame expand on that expand on that okay um how do I expand on that all right it's a cruel question okay, no, no, well, here, here. okay. so I mean a picture frame to go around a photograph okay yeah. so you know I would say that Putting a picture frame around a photograph is important, um, particularly for professional photographers, because rather than the customer getting a digital file that you then have no input into what they do with it, having the control over putting something into a wall display, whether that's a frame or something else, and having that image on display that you've controlled the quality and who you buy that off and how how it looks and, and made some decisions with the customer to get it on their wall, you know, that's great advertising for you moving forward for any of their friends that see that work. It's also a constant reminder for them for um, the moment they had in terms of coming along to you to have the shoot and how much fun they had and down the line, you know, coming back for another shoot, which I know you yourself, you know, strongly try and get that repeat business with families and get people to come back down the road. Um, I think picture frames to frame a photograph correctly it shouldn't distract from the photograph. It should just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Complement it. Um, you know, it's, it, when you when you frame a photograph, it should all tie in quite nicely and it should look good on the wall. And, and what you're actually trying to do is you're trying to make the photograph the forefront thing that everyone's looking at. That's the important element of the whole product. Yeah. Not, not the frame or the mount, it's the photograph inside it or photographs inside it. Um, you know, picture frames, they've been around for centuries on people's walls. Um, they're they're future-proof products, really. You know, you take you take a product, a picture frame, and put it on someone's wall. If taste change or fashion changes, they can take that unit outside of the, of the frame and they can reframe it in something that works for them down the road. So I think um, there's lots of ways that you can elevate. I don't know if elevate is the right word. No, it, I like the word. Um, I, I really like the word. I think... <laughs> It's com- complement the image, elevate the image. You know, as I say, you, you're trying to, when we look at what we might put around a picture, you're, you're trying to choose um, a frame and a mount that is going to make that picture that, at the forefront of what that stands out. I mean, I hope, and I think you, you've said it when you've come along to our trade stands, Paul, but, you know, when we put things on display there, and we've got such a variety of work and a variety of frames, you know, it could look quite messy, but I hope what, what, what comes across is, that we've taken time over picking what we're putting into those yeah. frames to try and show people what your capable, what our capabilities are, what you can do. Yeah. Um, and we get more comments, I would say, on the photographs than we do on the frames. But that's right. We're doing something right there because people are seeing the photos. So you know, we, we get the, the, the most common feedback we get when people get their frame and, and to an extent as well, the albums, is our clients say they had no idea how beautiful the image would look. They, I mean, they've seen them. They've explored them. We've had them on big digital screens. Uh, sometimes they've been looking on like, iPads and computers and all sorts of things. But 
yet I still get when they get that. We open up the box. Back here at the studio, we actually have, when the client comes back to pick up the frame, we have it on an easel lit. So they come in, they can have a cup of tea if they wish. Some of our clients come from all over the UK, so they've probably driven a long way. We feel it's only right. They can have a cup of tea. And even in these COVID days, we're trying to figure that out. Uh, but the frame is on an easel and it's lit. And when they come in, you can see their reaction. They had no idea how beautiful it would look in a frame. I think your choice of the word elevate is perfect. I'm a big proponent of doing something with your picture. Don't Files are great. We all love them. We've all got them on our phones and iPads and everything else. But I do think your framing elevates a picture. I think it brings out the best in a picture. I think pictures well-framed and behind glass as well, or, or behind ultra-clear, uh, the acrylics and things, you know, these, uh, whatever they're called, um, is also great because it's like a varnish layer. An old-school oil artists knew this trick too. They would always varnish yeah. it because it homogenizes, it brings the colors together. So when you present something behind glass or a, you know, a transparent surface, like a varnish effectively, it harmonizes everything. It's beautiful. Now, I think you're right. Your word elevate is bang on the money if you do it well. And you do it well. You're, you know, I've been with you 13 years and I'm hoping that you're going to continue doing it really well. Uh, well that's our plan. <laughs> it's my plan to stay with it as well. Uh, the, the other part of the threads, because that was one thread, uh, the other thread that occurred to me is how do you go about picking what people will buy tomorrow? Yeah, always a difficult one. Always a difficult one. And uh, I mean, you, you, you've seen our range of what we offer is, is it's endless. There's so many, so much choice um, in terms of the brochure and frames we offer and, and the types of mounts. We, we generally speaking always recommend customers that, you know, you, you've kind of got your base products, your black frames, your white frames, and they, and they will always sell um, because they fit in everywhere. Um, but what we try and do is, is steer people in a direction to look at maybe no more than four or five, we call them ranges. As you know, you know we've, we have a range of moldings that will be a number of colors and a number of sizes. So five ranges that you can kind of offer maximum um, because it's a bit like going into a sweet shop pool. You know, if you go into one of those old sweet shops and you've got all that choice on the back, you, don't, you always just go for the one that you always go for because you can't make the decision on anything else there. Um, so, uh, you know, it's... We have to have the choice because we cater. Sorry, the telephone ringing. That's background. right. That's good, right? That's um, one of my one of my key suppliers. The phone is ringing, right? I would. That makes me very happy. <laughs> um, sorry, was it? Oh yeah. Um, no, I've lost lost my train of thought now. Um, you were talking about advising customers into what ranges and because you offer a, a limitless range. Yeah, so so we, we offer a huge range because we deal, that's right, because we deal with such a huge range of customers um, in terms of what they want to offer. I mean, some, some of the basic rules, I would say, if you're trying to decide, right, what frames do I offer to sell to my customers, for a starter, don't pick a frame you don't like, because if you don't like it, you're not going to sell it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, with the amount of times we've seen people go, well, I really should have one of those because a customer may like it but then it just sits on the side or it's out of the way and they never show it to the customer because they don't like it themselves. It's, it's a waste of your time and your money in terms of having a product on the wall to do that. So you, you're far better to go down the route of offering um, products that you like, that, that you want to sell, um, and you're more likely to make the sale then. You know, it's if you love the product that you're selling, it's far easier to sell that product. Um, in addition to the frames, you know, um, as, as I say, black and whites that are a given, 
we generally tell most customers, you know, if you if you're really starting out fresh and you have no idea, the next thing is to have some sort of wood in there, whether it's an oak or a walnut or um, they all tend to be real wood veneers these days, but you know something like that, um, and then maybe kind of a, some sort of metallic finish, whether it's a more traditional shape or something a bit more contemporary. And that, generally speaking, will cover most customers' tastes. You know, yeah. when you're starting out and trying to figure out where to go from there, um, you then might find that actually for your work and what you're selling, you know, it's always a black frame. Black frame always works, so that's what I'm going to push, and I'm just going to show black frames. And you know, it's. I've had this discussion with customers before, you know, it's, uh, we've got many customers who just stick to one type of frame, not necessarily black. It might be pewter or white or gray, whatever it is. Um, but it works for them and their photography. Um, in addition to that, the mount combinations, I mean, we've got, I've lost track now. I think there's about 26 different types of mount combinations, ways we can put the layers together. Um, again, it's going back to that word elevating pool. It's, we, we always steer people away from things like a standard mount or a double standard mount because that's something that your customer can go and buy at a hardware store or a, a large Scandinavian company um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and go for something that is going to elevate the product and make it look different because at the end of the day, you want to display a product to your customer that looks different that they don't feel they can get anywhere else. It's got to look special. It's got to look unique. Um, you know, duo mount is one of our most popular mounts, um, which is like a deep, thick board and then a standard on top. And and likewise, you know, you, you have the spacer mounts and there's various, you know, so many different ways to, to demonstrate that work and show it. Um, it's, uh, again, we do little samples that you can look at and choose and then you can um, narrow down what you want to offer. But most customers tend to go for, one or a maximum of two types of mounts. Um, either it's one mount they use on everything or it's one they use on smaller products and a, and a should we say, a posher mount, more expensive mount on the, on the larger products. Um, but um, I think that's almost our biggest hurdle as well as a company is that there's so much choice, it's hard to know where to begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, uh, we, we have, I mean, Wells is really stripped down. We've used very little of what you're capable of. I mean, the bit we maxim- the bit we use most with you is your customer service the fact that we get these amazing products and we get incredible service but we actually here at this studio we have a fairly basic range we've kept it reasonably simple we have i think we have nearly all of your chevrons i think we have all of them (laughs) we did have at one point they're all buried away if in case i get an esoteric request and i can dig them all out but actually we sell essentially black rims space amounts i think that would represent 80 percent of our orders i think that, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's about right, isn't so, it? Yeah. Big, but, but big it works. Frames. You know, it works. It works for your photography, and that's what your customers are, are choosing and liking. You know, and you've obviously got your display. You know, I've, I've been and seen your display room and the products on the wall going around, and you know, it, it works. Um, but you like those products as well, so yeah. that you know, it's uh, again, it's it, it comes a lot. Of it comes down to that really needing to like what you're selling, love what you're selling, and as you touched on before, being passionate about what you're doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Every client, every new photographer that comes to you, they have to get to know how you work and you have to get to know what they need. And what I was going to ask you is, do you have any words of wisdom, any advice for how a photographer, a business, can form a great relationship with you the frame as opposed to all the pressure being on you know you as a supplier you've got to do the work i think there's an onus on us as photographers to be good customers because if you're a good customer you get better service you get a longer relationship is there anything you can spot 
that says, do you know what, if you do this, it really helps form a long bond? Um, I mean, like, like you said, really, we and, and with our customer service team, with, with the two lawyers and myself and Stephen and Denise, you know, we, we've always felt strongly that creating a partnership with the businesses you're working with, you know, that, that that's the key to a good business relationship long term. You know, we want we want to get to know you, get to know your business and, and know how we can help. Um, in terms of what a photographer can do coming into it, we... We've never been great at giving out more information in terms of how to use the website or how to, to navigate around things. We're, we're trying to get better. We've got some videos on the website that give you tutorials on how to use it and things. We have found that more and more we send people off to watch those and then they come back going, oh, I get it now. I know how to do this. So probably if you're looking at, at working with someone like us or any other supplier in the industry, you know, if they've got any information on their website that will give you an insight into what they do and how they work, and I'd recommend watching that video or, or reading that that document. Um, obviously, it's off the cards at the moment, but the last couple of years, we've been um, introducing open days here, and that has been by far the most successful thing we've ever done. I mean, we've we've always been open to, opened our doors to photographers coming up and having a chat and showing them around the workshop and showing them how we work as a business and what we do. Um, but I think you'd probably agree if you can go and visit that business that you're going to work with and you're able to see what they do and understand how they work, that's only going to benefit you and them in the long term. Oh, yeah. you know, likewise, I don't get to see all our customers and get to visit all their studios. I, I try to get to as many as I can. Um, but being a small team, we don't have a, a rep out on the road or anything like that. So it's trying to fit it, fit it in around, um, around the working week. Um, but certainly the ones that I have visited and I've seen and you get an understanding of how they work and what they do. And I think that just kind of, that, that would work both ways. So obviously it's off the cards at the moment with what's going on, but, um, you know, at the point where we can start doing that again, everyone that's been to those open days or visited us on a one-to-one -one basis have always come back saying how beneficial they found it to understand the process and to understand how we work as a business and, and also to reassure them in terms of the product they're selling, I think, you know, to understand the quality checks we have in place and, and to meet the team that are making it and meet the individuals that are making that product. Um, you know, that makes, uh, sorry, that's it's our, brilliant. our door. Was that, it's brilliant. That's the doorbell. I've had, more, <laughs> I've had more sound effects off your, off this, <laughs> off a CD. Sorry, someone's coming to the showroom. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to um, sample. Yeah, I mean, uh, Pardon? I'm going to sample them all and offer them as a set. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the important thing I would say. If if you can if you can give up some of your time uh, and and it's a two way thing to to try and get to that business that you're going to work with or you want to work with and understand about how they work, that's just beneficial in the long run for both of you. Um, I'm sure you'd probably agree. You know, that's it's. Oh, I've I've really strong opinions on it. I don't don't just agree. Um, <laughs> it was the first thing we did when I was recommended we talk to you. We came and talked to you. Right at the beginning, yeah. before I placed an order, I came and talked to you. We had a look around the factory. We saw other people's frames, which instantly gave me an idea of the sorts of things that people were doing. So it was a market research exercise. It was actually quite clever too, because you're suddenly surrounded by all these frames. And instead of just looking at this is what could this, this is the process, I was looking at those are the products my competitors are selling. So I could see it. I could see and touch and feel the market that I was entering, I at that stage, I'd never really sold a frame, except I'd go down to John Lewis and buy it off the shelf and, you know, put our own pictures in there. And suddenly I could see that people were making a living out of selling 
real art on walls. And I, although I thought that was possible, it was there confirmed for me right in front of my eyes. So there was that yes. bit of it. Then I met you all. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I didn't just walk in. I met you at the door. But it was the process of meeting everybody. And for me, the idea that I can pick up the phone and know who I'm talking to, and also we've been with that supplier for long enough that they know I'm not joking. They know I'm not making this stuff up. If a box arrives down here damaged, and I ring you up and say that box has arrived damaged, you don't go, well, it, you know, you should have done this or you, something you did. You you ask me why and how can it be fixed? Because we've been working together a long time and you know I would never pull your pills now. I'm only ever going to ask you for stuff I need. And all of that's really important. And you only do that by going and meeting people. It's a relationship. Yeah. It's a lot. And we've known each other a very long time. I think I knew you before you were a dad. Uh, how old are your kids now? Yeah, well, I am I officially became father to a teenager over lockdown. I was going to so, say, yeah, so, yeah. I knew so, you yeah, just before. I probably, yeah. I probably uh, wasn't quite a dad when we first met. <laughs> you so, weren't. Yeah. And now you've got a teenager. You know, that's a long time. I've got a teenager. It's a long time, yeah. And yet, and, but, what's really, but, yeah, but what's really nice is I still get excited about seeing you and seeing your team and seeing the product at every trade show that you and I are both present at because it means that I'm, every time I do it, I get ideas and want to try new stuff. We don't always implement the ideas. We're quite a slow moving, like I said, inertia in my firm or my company is, you know, it's one of those things we're really, really busy, which means change takes time. Um, and that's just a part and parcel of life i can relate to that though you know yeah. it's, it's the same here it's a small team and, and it's hard sometimes to implement that change well the thing enough. is i get really excited about something but then we sit down and price it and of course i've already got probably four or five clients who are actively live at that stage um who have, are working on a price list that doesn't include that product and so implementing change we have to actually think it through so we're slow moving but i get really excited about it and the other thing i wanted to kind of draw attention to in a company like kaleidoscope and the bit that one of the bits there are many but one of the bits i value the most out of you is your qc process it is it is as far as i'm aware second to none if we put a lot of time and effort i mean as i said before you know Stephen with his engineering background the owner um you know he, he likes processes and that's been drilled into me and drilled into yeah. the rest of the team so you know that's that's become the norm yeah you know, things have to be checked and they have to be checked and checked again and checked again. Um, and actually, you know, we, we constantly, even when we're reviewing how we're doing production and whether we're going to try and make changes here or there, quality is the key factor. That's that's what will implement change. So if it's going to affect quality for the better, then we'll change it. But if it's going to interfere any way with the quality of the products we send out the door, then we're not doing it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially now... <clears throat> the length of time we've been in the industry, which, you know, it's uh, our reputation has been built on providing these quality products. So we, we can't let that change now. We need to make sure that those products that are going out the door are second to none and the customers get them. And, you know, obviously mistakes do happen, but again, we feel that you get judged on how you react to your mistakes, as yeah. you mentioned before, you know, um, and, uh, you know, if a mistake happens, we rectify that as quickly as possible. But, well, in, um, in, in 13 years, in 13, I'm trying to think of all of the mistakes that have happened. Uh, I think there have been three at your end and probably three a year at my end. I mean, that's the ratio. I make more cock-ups than you do by a chunk. Uh, and what I've always appreciated is both parts of that. So when you make a mistake, 
I think we had colour drift on some paper and we've had some problems with mounts, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, and then there was there was one that made me laugh and got irritated all at the same time, which is when you ran out of one of the rims. It was one of those tight sequence things where I think we'd run to confirm you had the rims we needed for a client and you did. But by the time I got the client in and placed the order, you didn't. And it caused me it caused me a very large shipping bill to the States because I had to honour that one. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it wasn't really your fault, um, but it was annoying nonetheless. Uh, so those are, the, those are the ones I can think of on your end. On our end, the number of times I've had an email saying, we're worried about this print. Please, can you check? And you have no idea, no idea how much I appreciate that. I'm slightly embarrassed and mortified every time I do find an error. I'll grant you. Uh, and then that one sequence where we went backwards and forwards, I don't know how many times we went backwards and forwards until eventually I sent you the original PSD flattened because the JPEG, yeah, it, the JPEG itself, the process <laughs> of the JPEG and then uploading it was causing the problem. And I've had that just once on a very subtle grad. Um, but someone at the other end is printing that and looking at it and going, no, <laughs> no, yeah, Mr. Wilkinson. We we're very fortunate. Um, she won't mind me naming her, but Emma, who works in the workshop, yeah. she she looks after the printing, uh, you know, 90% of the time. Um, and uh, she's very good at spotting. She's um, not very good. She's exceptional. <laughs> she's she she's exceptional. An annoyingly she good. I mean, you know. And the thing is, so, I, like, uh, I, like, I like a backlit image. I love an outdoor image with the sun behind. And, of course, every little insect that leaps out of the grass becomes a spot on an image, doesn't it? And so I'm forever going, oh, for goodness sake, yeah, she's right. I better just Photoshop them all out and spend a happy half hour doing that. Um, I actually think, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, these interviews really are to take information from the person on the other side of the camera, but I'll give you a little bit of feedback because I think you underplay your quality. I don't think you talk about it enough or I don't think you found a way of making that a really big thing because for us here as a business, there's, I trained as an IT Guy. So a little bit like Stephen, but in computer systems. So an engineer. And I remember it being drilled into me, the same as you're having quality drilled into you, that every error you find doubles in cost at each step of the chain. If you find the error oh, yeah. at the beginning, exactly. its cost is relatively low. If you find the error by the time it's gone to the customer, it's really, really expensive, exponentially expensive to get that back and get it fixed. And that's, from, that's one of the first conversations we have with new members of staff. Yeah. Yeah. The error has to be fixed early because it's, it's really cheap to fix an error while it's in the factory or in my case, if it, while it's still on my screen. But by the time it's been printed and I've been, you know, it's been reported back to me, it's done a great big loop of cost and time. And so actually having you guys QC my work is so, so valuable. And I don't think, I think you underplay it. You know, the quality of the glass, the quality of the rim, the quality of the mount, the ordering cycles, the software front end, these are all really important. But to me, the bit that elevates you, I'm going to use the same phrase about you as a company, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to blow some smoke a little, is the QC side. Because it means I know when I hit order, at the end of that cycle, I'm going to have a perfect product. You know, me and you might have a conversation about the boxes, but... <laughs> <laughs> at some point um, I, I knew you were going to drop that uh, in to get it on <laughs> I've, 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 for 13 years I've been asking for black boxes and one of these days I'll get one uh, in the meantime yeah. in the meantime you know at the end of the day I don't sell boxes I sell frames as do you um, and so actually I, th I think you underplay it I, I think you could make far more about the quality because I that's why when people ask me and I get asked all the time to recommend a frame. I recommend you, and they say why, and I say they do everything you'd expect, but the quality is off the top of the scale. They don't miss a trick, and that's so important. 
And, and I mean, you know, being honest with you, that makes me so happy hearing that from a customer that's been with us so long that that's how you feel. Because for me, that means we're doing everything right here. You know, for you to have been with us for this length of time and, and still feel in the same way and everything is coming like that, you know, that's <clears throat> everything that we do is, is working then. Yeah. Um, and, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And the things, when things aren't how we'd like them to be, the real joy of it is we can get together and have a chat about it because things have changed over the years. The packaging has changed. It oh, is yeah. better. you know, um, And that's because we've been working with you for a very, very long time. And, and, you know, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the time you put into it as well as us because I'm aware, you know, you have many photographers. I have one framer. So in, in, in the same way that, you know, I have many clients and they have one photographer. The symmetry is exactly the same. And I know how hard it is to remember that that relationship on the other side is unique. It's one to many. But to me, my relationship with you is is one to one. It just isn't on your side. And to still make me feel like I'm valuable and that the quality is truly important and I'm listened to is a trick. And it's a good one. And you are very, very good at it. And I don't know that you sell that particularly high up the order but i'd have put it at the top of the list but i don't know how you sell it i have no idea how you sell I, it I, yeah well when when you find out let me know <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right I'll, so, I'll make a note i mean we, we i'm really appreciate your words Paul, as well so you know i, know, I, I, rec- I stand on stages and recommend you. you regularly uh what was i going to ask uh last couple um i get asked a little bit from uh, photographers, how do they sign their frames? And this is, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell them. <laughs> how do you sign your frames? Okay, well, um, obviously one option is that you buy the products put together yourself and you sign it and then you spend the time trying to put it together without any dust in it, um, which, as we all know, is a bit of a nightmare. Um, or you ask the experts to do it. So uh, we have the ability with our mount cutters to hold a pen or a pencil and we can actually write your signature onto the mount. So um, <clears throat> we basically uh, create a plotter file from a JPEG of your signature. Um, and we are talking signatures here, not logos, because it doesn't work. It needs to be a signature. Um, and what we can do then is we can apply that just to the bottom right corner underneath the, the image. Um, and we can do that for every product that you want us to send out the door. So everything that goes out then has got that little signature in the corner. Generally speaking, pencils are most popular. Um, well, it doesn't fade at all. It doesn't fade, looks the most natural. Um, and it's again, you know, as we talked about it before, the product and the image being on the wall is advertising, but then having your name there is just giving it that extra oomph. It's, you know, it's raising it up in class and making it there as a, a special piece of artwork as you called it on the wall. So, you know, it's uh Again, advertising, people see the name and they're aware of where that work's come from then. So. Yeah. My, my old man taught me, he taught me many things, my dad. He was a good guy. But one of the things that stuck in my mind, he said, whatever you do, sign your work. Always sign your work because you do not know tomorrow who will see it. And I have one work from people seeing my signature they, and they will ring me and say, I saw a picture on a wall. It had your signature under it. I Googled you. You know, that simple. So, yeah, you should sign it. And I know you guys, the robot, it was a lot of fun getting the signature to work. I think I was one of the first. To, you were one of the first. When yeah, I discovered yeah, you were one of the first. So, yeah, when uh, Stephen said he was uh, putting it in, I was right on there with a file. And actually, what I love about my signature is it actually signs it, I think, in the order that I do. Because I actually gave you, although it needed to be tuned, I think I gave you a plotter file. And the um, the order of the points was the order in which my signature's written, I think. I think that sounds right from memory, yeah. It, it is, because uh, yeah, I'd, I'd done an animation of it in Flash, 
which we still use. And so I use the same points and they actually draw in the order that I sign. And so it does the two dots on the eyes. It goes back and does them, which I love. I just find mm-hmm. it's, it's meaningless, right? I just, I just quite like that. It's quite cool. But it's all the little things. It is know? all of those little things, isn't it, that make, <laughs> that make life just absolutely wonderful. Um, final question, bar, well, there's two final questions. The first is, is there anything you'd like to say about Kaleidoscope that I haven't dug into that you think is important? And now you can hear the noise at my end. I just heard that thing ramp up. <laughs> it's a tree shredder. Um, no, I mean, uh, in terms of Kaleidoscope, in, in terms of selling us as a company, you know, I would say don't don't be afraid to get in touch and talk to us. You know, we, we don't bite. We're, we're happy to hold your hand and talk you through things. Um, we mentioned, can I, can I refer to discounts? Yeah, of course you can. Okay. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier about the importance of display products and, um, you know, how, how important it is to have products on the wall. And because of that, we do an all year round 40% display discount. So it's not a special offer or anything like that. We've done that religiously for a few years now. And, and we feel it's important because for us to um, take the hit on what we're selling is an investment in you as a photographer. So, you know, trying to share that cost and get that product up on the wall is important. Um, and it's also the start of that relationship with that yeah. photographer and, and trying to get those products for sale. So it, I said it before, but if it can't be seen, it can't be bought. And we really strongly feel that, which is which is why we do a larger discount on those products. Um, and again, we feel those products need to be the best they can be. So, you know, you, you know yourself that from the front, they look like any other products that you would be selling to a customer. Um, there's just a little stamp on the back saying that they are for display. But um you know, they're, they're finished to the same standard, the same quality, um, pro- probably even tighter because we want to make sure they are absolutely right. They're important for you as a business for selling. Um, but yeah, I think you touched on it really with quality before that we we don't see customers as different customers. Everything that goes through the workshop is dealt with the same way. There's no special, you know, there's no fast lane that goes through that, you know, actually that one doesn't matter too much or there's nothing like that. You know, every, every piece of work that comes through every product that is made is as important as the last. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it all reflects on us as a company moving forward. So it's important to have that right every time. That's a really good thing to end on, at least on the commercial side of this conversation. I have to say we have used that discount and I'd forgotten about it, which reminds me I've got some kit out to do. Uh, (laughs) We're about to do some uplift in the studio, given we've we've had to close part of our viewing area um, and move it into a more air so with a bit of the building that has better airflow. And I'm very lucky that I have a studio big enough to be able to move things around like that. Um, so we can work as a studio and I can do the reveals and the, the design consultancy uh, still as almost unfettered. Not quite, but almost. Um, we've had to be a little bit, well, we've had to be a little bit more careful with things like how do I serve coffee? Um, a very hot dishwasher, gloves and cookies that come in wrappers and sugar lumps that come in wrappers <laughs> seriously it's got is that is you know that's how now we're doing it um and it, you'd be surprised the number of people when i because I, I assume no one would care and i say i'm really sorry covid can't offer you coffee and the absolute crestfallen reaction <laughs> was right okay i need to figure out how to serve coffee um so we've done it you know um and we've been able to move the rooms around but i do need to get some new frames ready for when we start to go back into our our original uh format 
it is a, it is a wonderful company you have a wonderful company you have a wonderful product i like to think you've got rather wonderful clients too <laughs> we, we have wonderful clients <laughs> of course i know that uh last question then of the podcast and i ask every interviewer or every interviewee rather uh to give me um the title and author of a book that they think would be a great addition to our ever burgeoning it's actually quite a big library it's a real library it's an actual physical set of bookshelves and at some point i'll take a photograph it and put it out there because every every person i've interviewed i've asked for a book just a book that the people that listen to this podcast who are nearly all photographers would find interesting amusing inspiring or just of great value well, I know I can't use that one because... You can't. You, uh, <laughs> For those of you who are not watching this, because there's no... <laughs> this will go out as audio only. Uh, Andy is holding up my book, Mastering Portrait Photography, and trust me, that is book zero <laughs> in the library, <laughs> in, in, all three, um, in all three languages. That's a bit tricky because I'm not a photographer. Um, but all I thought I could show you is a book that inspired me in terms of photography. Um I was uh, probably teenage years and my grandparents actually gave me, well, I was reading it at their house and they told me to take it away and keep it. Um, it's a book called One Day for Life. Um, and it is simply a book of, I don't know if you can see that there. Yeah, One Day for Life. Who's it's, the author? It is simply a book of taken photographs taken by all sorts of people all over the UK on one day uh, in the 80s, 1987 in August. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and for me, I mean, it inspired me in terms of, you know, seeing some of the pictures in there. There's everything in there. There's life, there's death, there's laughter, there's sadness, uh, there's landscape, you know. Um, and actually, I think that looking through this book and looking at those images was a realisation for me of how important a photograph can be. So from that point of view, you know, it's uh, that's what I'd recommend. Oh, a nice guy. Great company. And I hope that this interview... Uh, has provided some insights and useful little bits of nuggets for you and your portrait photography business. If you've enjoyed this podcast, and of course, honestly, I really hope you have, then please do subscribe. Uh, you can do that on most apps. If there's an app you like to use that we're not listed on, if Mastering Portrait Photography, the podcast is not listed, then please do let me know about that app and I will see if I can get us onto there. But whatever else happens, until next time, remember, be kind to yourselves. Take care.